You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome back, everybody, uh, to the Oz Network as we continue our exclusive coverage of Third Watch. And we are here, we are finally at season six, the final season of Third Watch. We've talked about this at length for so many episodes. I've not been kind about it, but we're here. We're here to look at the very first episode called More Monsters. It first aired on the 17th of September 2004. Written by Ed Alan Bonero, directed by Christopher Chalak. So they've brought out the big guns for the premiere of this season. And uh, what are we going to say about this one? We're about to find out. My name is Ben, and I'm going to be really sore in the morning. <laughs> My name is Darvell, and I hate stitches. <laughs> Uh, can you believe it, Darbell? We are here. We are at season six of Third Watch. Did you ever think we would make it sometimes? Probably not. Don't answer that. But, um, how are you feeling no. as we lead into season six? The dreaded season six. <laughs> well, I definitely agree with your assessment that it's a completely different show from the last, from the last five seasons. You know, it's strictly police procedural by and large now but uh i mean i still think it i still think it does have its it does have its moments i yeah and i agree with that i think kind of as i try to sum it up last season uh i i kind of look at third watch season six as again its own beast like this isn't that i mean there are obviously elements that are still connected but I like to kind of look at this as almost just a one-season special, you know, like this is the reboot of Third Watch that they brought back 10 years later where it's sort of the same show, but it's kind of different. It doesn't quite feel the same. Um, it's, look, even even the way this season is shot, like I don't know if it was filmed on different cameras or something like that, but there's just almost like a darkness tone to the, the tint you see on screen in a lot of these episodes and... I mean, I think, uh, I will say at the time of recording this, I've watched the first eight episodes, and I think I've counted six out of those eight episodes has at least one montage in it. Um, so kind of like, we're really reliant. That sounds about right. Reliant on the montages. Um, and yeah, like it's, like, uh, yeah, you're right. Like, there are definitely some moments in this season which are like, hey, okay, that's good, and I think that an issue, though, again, is that the tone shifts so much from week to week. It's like, you know, you, you felt even during bipolar season four and even during sort of last season when we kind of had a few shifts towards the end of the season, you still felt we were connected to the season. It just was slightly different. Whereas kind of, you know, we start off with everything that we get at the beginning of this season and all of a sudden it's Criminal Minds, Yoko's Detective Central and all of a sudden it's all about Sully's father and like it's, and then we get into sort of the Wycliffe Jean stuff. Like the tone of this season, they just can't make their mind up with what they're trying to do with a lot of stuff. And again, that's why I like to look at this season is completely different from the rest of it. Yeah, there is some good stuff in this season, but again, you look at that, that's season six good stuff. Um... I'm going to be hard-pressed to put any of these episodes anywhere near the top 10. Uh, there might There's one episode <laughs> this season that maybe I think might make the top half. Um, but, yeah, like, I mean, having said that, I'm just looking at my rankings here. One of the first eight episodes I've actually ranked in the top 60, so only just, though. Um, but that's maybe the highest I've gotten so far. Yeah, I'm, I'm rambling already. I think this season's just going to be... <laughs> It's just going to be interesting. I think everybody coming into this, if you've joined us along this whole journey and this is the first time you're watching it, just 
take this season for what it is because I know personally hated this season the first time I saw it. I'm like, this is terrible. What have they done to my show? But then every time I've watched it, I kind of grow a weird appreciation for what at least they've tried to do if I put a different pair of glasses on and view this as sort of a separate entity, if that makes sense. Yeah, especially considering that, you know, this show, as we know at this point, it's at, it's at the end of its rope. Yeah. You know, and and maybe that's why they're, Maybe that's why they're meandering all over the place trying to figure out what they want to do. Because I'm, con- I, I, I think that at this point, <laughs> it was a week to week thing with them. They didn't know if NBC was going to just randomly axe them. Yeah, and I think that shows. And, I definitely agree. Yeah, sorry, continue. Yeah, and it it took them. I don't know exactly when Third Watch was renewed for its sixth and final season by NBC, mm-hmm. but. I'm pretty sure that it was probably we- probably well in well into the summer before its renewal was announced. Because at the end of season five, with the cliffhanger at the end of season five, at that time they didn't even know if they were coming back. Yeah, when, when that episode aired. Yeah. So, and I I I think the thing too is like that whole week to week thing. It's just a case of I don't know if it's ever officially been out there, and again, anyone listening, please correct me if I'm wrong, when this exactly got cancelled. I mean, I've just literally Googled this really quickly, and I found a forum from May the 2nd, 2005, saying, one of my favourite shows is Third Watch, why is it being cancelled? And if you look at that, so May the <coughs> 2nd, I mean, that is the week of the, pr- the finale. So, like, obviously, it would have been well out there by that point that it was, you know, this week is going to be the, se- the series finale. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I might, yeah. I might do a bit of digging um, around the, the track. I can tell you. Oh, you can tell me. Oh, Darvell, Mr. Please, yeah. tell me. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I can tell you. The announcement was made, the announcement was made on uh, March 24th of 05. Okay, March 24. So that puts it uh, after Kingpin Rising and just before Too Little Too Late. So there was about a month and a bit gap between those two episodes. So episode 17, 18 of this season. Um, <laughs> funnily enough, after the episode, Faith annoys a vampire. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously <laughs> in terms of production, they would have known a lot earlier than that, given that these episodes obviously are filmed. They're not filmed the week of that they're airing. But um that's interesting that it was only announced then. So, yeah, I mean, that if, yeah, we, if well, we ever get John Wells or Ed Albanero or someone like this on the show, it would be interesting to kind of say, like, hey, when did you get the tap on the shoulder saying, hey, guys, season six, this is your last? Like, at what point and how does that change it? Because you got to feel that even if it comes at the beginning of this season or, you know, a third of the way in this season, they've got to wrap it up. And I, I feel they attempt to because, like, I think that's when the Wycliffe Jean stuff starts. That's their, like, this is our final storyline. This is what we're going to end it on. So, to me, I would feel personally, just if I'm looking at that, that is when whereabouts they go for the wrap-up route. But who knows when they found out when they were filming it, if you know what I mean. Yeah, and it... I mean, we've said this a million times. It wasn't in enough time to really wrap everything up, like completely. Mm-hmm. But I will always give that series. I will always give the series finale credit for at least giving the show a decent ending. Agree. And similar to what I said before, first time I saw it was not a fan. But honestly, I've come full circle on it. And look, I have issues with some of what's in the season finale, uh, the series finale. Trust me, I do. But 
you know, the five-minute montage. Like, if you think about it in the grand scheme of things, what else could have they done? Um, and I think what they kind of show in that final five minutes, I think, is a is a sum, is a perfect way to end it. And, again, I give it props. The bookends, you know, Battersea in the opening, uh, the closing part of the premiere, and then using it again in the finale. But we'll get to that, obviously. Um, we're hoping this season we will say um, to have Brandy come back, at least for the series finale, and, of course, for the uh, overall series recap right at the very end. Uh, obviously, a few of you are probably wondering, where has she been? Um, but, uh, yeah, we're, we're hoping that we will at least get her back for a couple of episodes this Excuse season to, to talk about it, given that she was there in the beginning, and we would like to mm-hmm. have our own continuity bookends um, from one end yes. to the other. Um, but let's get into more monsters, uh, and we're going to basically pick things straight off from where we ended last <laughs> season. Um, we were in the hospital. Um, everyone just happens to be there, of course. Um, and we sh- I also should mention, and we'll, we'll take a time uh, moment in this episode, obviously, to kind of when I say eulogise Kim, obviously, you know, reflect on her character because she doesn't die because uh, this is Kim's last episode. Um, yes. We've got Davis uh, with the guy who uh, drove the car into the funeral uh, trying to calm him down and he's all panicking because he knows that Donald Mann's going to come after uh, him. Um, then we've got <laughs> Kim walking uh, out and bumping into a random guy who's taking the daughter, wanting to take uh, his daughter to the bathroom and we find out that uh, he slammed his wife's hand in the car door. Um, so she's in trouble. Um, so Kim, obviously, her and Holly are like, hey, we can take her to the bathroom. We're FDMI paramedics. You know, you can trust us. Um, then we... Which I, I'll just say, like, I do love the fact that we just got, we've got to have random character here to kind of add extra concern um, to, you know, what is going on in this scene. And I guess kind of it does show Kim, like, she's got this... It does work. Yeah, I mean, she's got... Kim's got this smile on her face, obviously, <laughs> where she's kind of, you know, like, we found out she was pregnant at the end of last season. So, um, you know, it's, I guess it's her way of going, like, oh, well, you know, I like kids or whatever. Um Grace has a bit of a moment. And she is great with them. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Kim is fantastic with kids. So, you know, it's kind of, I guess, her... It's probably the confirmation that, like, hey, I'm not going to get rid of this baby. I'm going to have this baby. Um, we have Grace uh, getting angry with Dr. Field still after he yelled at her last season. Hmm, I wonder if some tragedy is going to happen to bring them back together closer. Um, Davis, uh, is this a bit where uh, Jelly's like, why the hell would I want to see you or something like that to Davis? Yes. Yeah, that that wasn't... What, I'm, what I noticed when watching this is, I mean, some of the stuff they're showing in the opening moments of this episode, they were not in... Yeah the season five finale. Mm-hmm. And I wonder why they added those. I think it's probably just to add a bit of context because, I mean, we're going to have a scene where we get the guy who was in the car bomb uh, getting shot up. They need to kind of, I guess, involve Kim and Holly and the paramedics in it some way. So let's create a story of them hiding in a bathroom. And I guess maybe it is a case of context and maybe they kind of viewed the final moments and thought, well, hang on a minute, like... Because ha- Davis did walk into the room in those final moments and say, like, I just talked yes. to Jelly. So I guess kind of maybe what they're trying to do there is go, oh, maybe we should film just like a little scene there to add context to what Davis was saying. Uh, and it works. Like, I mean, it's it's filmed very well. Like, it just it seems seamless because then obviously we transition straight back into the uh, the waiting room scene that we had right at the end. Um, and, you know, 
uh, crews wondering where the hell Yoshi was, Bosco, you know, who the hell cares about Yoshi? Kind of say, one thing that definitely is missing, at least from the first sort of, you know, quarter or half of this season, is Bosco. And I think really, like, and I know I've always been an advocate that Yokus is the star, overall star of the show based on kind of the sixth season arc of how these characters get attention. And, you know, I realised she was away for, what, like five, six episodes, however many it was last season. But, and I yeah. don't mean this disrespectful, I think we did sort of mention, like, hey, you kind of miss Faith, but I don't think it's as noticeable that you miss Yokus as it is when you we get to this, you know, long period without Bosco. And kind of this scene here really is the fir- the last time we will get sort of a talking normal Bosco um, for quite some time. And... Yeah, I think I read on one of these interviews or something that I dug up that Jason Wiles was always planning to leave this show in season six, whether it was renewed or not. Um, and I'd actually read somewhere that, uh, you know, it didn't matter what the future was, that this was going to be his last season. So I'm wondering if this, you know, if Third Watch potentially got renewed for a, se- a seventh season, that they, this would have been it, that he would have died here. Because from what I gather, he was planning on leaving the show at this point. So... Just think, if season seven had been a thing and they had gone on with it, Bosco very much could have been killed in this moment. Either that or killed at the end of season six, because I swear I read something where um, where the season six finale, before it was announced as the series finale, I, I swear I read somewhere that because Jason Wiles was leaving and Bonero was, going, was considering... Having having Bosco die at the end of the season. Okay, well that possibly could be the case. Um, yeah, I mean it's it's just I don't know. Do you feel this season really like? Do you feel the missing the missingness? That's not a word, but you know what I'm trying to say. Uh, the lack of Bosco really it in is the first now. part of this season. Yes, and definitely, and it's <clears throat> it takes, and it's not as shall we say comical. Without him, because I mean Bosco, I mean because Bosco, he's a he's a he's a fu- he's a funny guy. He can provide some good comic relief when he's not running around with with balls out every day, every job, you know. Yeah, and I think that's what they do with the paramedics this season. They purely switch comedy to the paramedics because ninety percent of paramedic storylines this season are purely for comedic basis. Um, so. Yeah, uh, I, I definitely agree with you, but uh, we'll obviously talk a little bit more about that because they're just about to get shot up. Uh, we get the scene here, you know, that we saw at the end of last season and kind of... Look, I, I feel like I can kind of just really go over a lot of the stuff in here because I'm not a fan of this. I think, you know, going back to what I said last season, how it was very cartoonish, I think this also adds very cartoonish and it's almost very video gameish because we've got these weird shots no pun intended, uh, with these gunmen where they've attached a, a camera, like, and I'm, I'm not going to say a GoPro because I don't think GoPros existed in 2004. Some form of handheld... I don't think so either. Some form of handheld camera to the gun, which is almost like a, a video game first-person point-of-view shot um, being fired around. So I, I really don't know. I mean, I know Christopher Chalak directed this episode, so I don't know if that was kind of his goal. Like, let's kind of put this as a first-person shooter kind of... Um, you know, mode, but throughout all this shootout and kind of everything, we have the, you know, the reaction of the cops, everyone's ducking for cover and they're all shocked. I will say, like, there is, as much as I'm not a fan of this, there is great sort of 
acting through everybody in this scene. No one is not acting yes. well. Like the the shock, the tension, everything. Like there's this great scene, <coughs> Sully. We're going to get when he's reloading his gun and his hands shaking, and kind of Davis is just looking at him, and Sully kind of gives him a look. Um, but sort of through all of this, I guess the big revelation is that Yokus is on top of Bosco. Well, Bosco is really more so on top of her. They've kind of like, I guess they've both tried to cover each other. And Bosco has been uh, shot to bits. His face is all covered in blood and sort of Yokus is all, you know, shocked and incredibly emotional. And there's just this great Bosco. shot. There's a great Bosco. shot of sort of everybody staring at this. Like Davis has this look on his face. It's this absolute look of shock. And even Cruz kind of has this look on his um, sh- shock on her face. So... You know, we've got all this kind of great acting. We've got the credits. The last time we'll ever have Kim Raver on the credits. Um, and then we get back to sort of this shootout that... Uh, I mean, look, Kim and Holly get chased into a bathroom. Uh, Jelly nearly gets shot and kind of doesn't... You know, I love his reaction. What does he say, like, to the guy? He's like, go to hell. The, the, guy, the guy go. Yeah, the guy's like, what's your name, cop? Go to hell. That's why I love Jelly. Like, Jelly's just kind of like... Jelly's what Sully's going to be in another 20 years, let's be honest. <laughs> like, but maybe with a bit more humour. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, and this is, is this where um, also the, one of the gunmen's like saying, where's Cruz, where's that? And then Cruz eventually yeah. shoots someone and she's like, I'm Cruz. Which to me is like... Yeah, kind of kind of cheesy. Oh, it's yes. so cheesy. Like, it's just, this is, again, one of the problems I have with this, it's just like such a cartoon. Like, <laughs> I'm Cruz. Um... We get Grace. Uh, this is the thing too. Like when Grace kind of sees the gunman running to the door, how far away are they? They're on the one floor of this hospital. Do they not hear like Uzi and AK forty seven machine gun fire? And they're just that shocked that when there's a gunman running towards the door, um, which is kind of interesting. Um, well, shock can take quite a while to recover from. I mean, even if you. Thankfully, I've never been in that kind of situation. But even if it was a few floors up, I mean, I don't know how I'd react. I'd probably still be, you know, in a in a in a state of shock if they were, <clears throat> even if they were running towards, running towards where yeah. where I was and where whoever else was. But, you know, I, I guess my Hopefully, point though is I just, will never find out. Yeah, well, I, I guess my point though is just like the, the way she reacts to me. It seems like she didn't know that anything was happening. That's like it's just kind of like she's surprised and shocked that a guy's running towards her with a gun. It's like it's not like they're all cowering down in the room because they hear the gunshots. If you know what I mean, that's to me what sounds weird. Um, that's just how it's implied. But of course, Grace, you know, saves everyone and then kind of, you know, they're going to be involved in saving a patient. So this is going to be the, the redeeming factor when it comes to, you know, her and Dr. Fields. Um, just a couple of things I want to know, because there's, there's one moment in this whole situation, which, uh, I really want to talk about, but I do love Carlos when he's kind of like hiding behind a computer and you've got a guy there with his gun jamming, and Carlos is looking at the cup, he's looking at the guy, looks at the cup, looks at the guy, picks up the cup, throws it at the guy, then decides to jump on him to try and stop him. He gets thrown through the window and knocked out, just as Davis is walking around, and Davis just has this look on his face like, oh, Carlos, typical Carlos. <laughs> like, it's just... Oh, it's funny. I do like that. Yeah. Um, but the one bit that... Re- I- go ahead, go ahead. Oh, oh well... I'm going to back up a little bit and say... No, please that, do, because I'm going to be, I'm gonna be rambling though, on about something for a few minutes, Darvel, so you, yeah. get, get, you talk <laughs> yeah, first. I'll be here for another 20 minutes. Okay, so... <laughs> okay, so e- even though even though it is kind of... Kind of... Uh, well, let's back up. Let's back up a little bit to... Um, 
Jelly kills one of Jelly kills one of the gunmen. Sully's Sully's like, nice shot, Jelly. I was aiming for his leg. <laughs> uh, and yes, then, yes. Um, <laughs> and then, and then I think I think what happens after that, um, I hear what sounds like a door being kicked open, a bunch of machine gun fire, and I'm assuming that's when the when the car bomb guy gets shot. Yeah, oh yeah, so that's kind of like one of the opening bits, basically. When they start shooting, you see that straight away. I should have mentioned that, yes. Yeah, so the um, the car bomb guy is, is mowed to bits. But, you know, again, given this is a primetime show that's, what, rated M or just, you know, 15 under, um, this guy just, you know, he just lays there and sort of moves up a little bit with a couple of, like, pops on his chest. Like, if that's in real life and he's that close to being mowed down by a machine gun, he's body's being torn to bits like i'm sorry like yeah. a high power and, automatic <clears throat> rifle that's firing that close to your body his guts and bits are going everywhere yeah and then and then he's and then i think the same guy is um he takes the clip or magazine or whatever out of his machine gun tosses it aside puts another one in and then that's when crew i guess Cruz sees him and she's yeah. like Hey, I'm Cruz. You looking for me? Yeah, it's kind of cheesy, but it's still. But I like the way Tia Tejada delivers it. Oh yeah. And then he, and then he, and then I guess he's shooting at her, and I get, I guess Sully somehow ends up with Cruz or something because, um, you know, one of them shoots him. He falls down, loses his gun. Then he does, and then he, and then he does, and then he. He gets stupid because, I mean, it's obvious he's reaching for the thing. He reaches for it. He's shot again, I guess, in his arm or something. And then um, and then Cruz is like, I love this line from Cruz, even though, again, it's kind of cheesy, but I still like it. Um, she says, you know, next one, next one will be between your eyes. Mm. And then Sully's there and tells him to, and tells him to turn around and arrests him, or is that a different gunman than the one Cruz was talking to? Uh, I, I think it's the same one, because I know Sully is there, I believe, when um, when Cruz is doing that, and kind of, it's. I think, is it one of, if not the only time we ever sort of see Cruz and Sully work together? Um, so, yeah. Um, through also this, too, the, the father guy, who um, whose daughter, who the one who slammed his wife's hand in the door, um, he's yeah. gotten shot in the leg because that's going to be the scene we're going to get between Grace and Dr. Fields when, you know, they're obviously saving his leg because his femoral artery is being popped or whatever it is. Um, yeah. The, the one bit, though, that I will say that just, like, I really don't like. And, like, it's not that the scene isn't tense. I think kind of when we start with the, the Davis fight with the guy who Carlos has knocked out, right? Sort of, it, it, it's tense because, you know, it's kind of just this brutal struggle. It's very violent, very, very violent. And kind of, you know, there's this knife involved and kind of there's this moment where Davis has got this knife like, you know, millimetres away from his face and he's holding it there so he doesn't get stabbed and, you know, incredibly close to basically being brutally stabbed through the head, nearly lights out for Davis. The the bit that I have a problem here, though, and this is going back to, I've, I've mentioned two moments in Third Watch where I feel they do not do any justice to our strong female characters who they go out of their way to make strong without emphasising the fact that they're females. We already talked about the one last season when Kim sort of is victimised and is running through the streets. Help me, help me! We've got Monroe here. She's got a gun pointed at this guy. And basically, you know, I'll do it, I'll do it. She fires, nothing happens. And then this guy just basically grabs her chokes her up against the wall and like oh this just annoys me so much because 
Munro is just made to look like completely, completely weak. Like at least when Cruz was like, I, I understand. Like, okay, she's got a really big guy like attacking her, <coughs> but like, I don't know how to describe this. It's kind of I feel how I try to describe the Kim situation last year. It's just the way you see Munro pinned against this wall. You know, sort of slapping him away. Her legs are dangling, kind of very, you know, like victimish, and just the way her eyes are like rolling back in her head. Like to me, I, I see, I see Munro as uh, as a strong, tough cop. I, I never want to even see her gender. To me, she's a strong, tough cop. I look at her exactly the same way as I look at Bosco, as Sully, as Cruz. You know, they're just a strong, tough cop. It doesn't matter to me what gender yeah. they are. But to me, in this situation. I've got no choice but to see that she's a victim and that she's a female because you've just got to look at the way this is dragged out. And I think it's the way that it is dragged out too because this goes on for about two, three minutes. And you're meant to kind of led to believe that here that Munro is about to die and then she needs to be saved by Davis coming in with a knife and stabbing her in the back. And I just have a problem with it. I just don't think it does justice to the fact that Munro is a tough character and you've got to victimise her so much purely here because she's a female and she can't fight back in this situation. That's, that's my two cents, Darvell. Yeah, and not only that, but I mean, what happened? Did her did her gun jam or something? Yeah. Is that why she didn't? I was I was gonna I was gonna say come I was gonna say because I didn't even notice that her gun had jammed. I didn't even hear like a like a like a click or anything that indicates okay she's pulled she's pulled the trigger but nothing's happened. So I'm like so the whole time I'm watching this I'm thinking. Monroe, shoot him! <laughs> yeah, her gun jams. Like, I'm watching it now. So the gun jams. He comes up to her and just punches her. And then the, the issue here is that... Think back to um, the episode where Cruz was chased through the alley and she was yelling, help, help, help. And I was kind of saying, like, yeah, I have a bit of an issue. But at the same time, like, she's kind of doing that to... It's, it's different to me. Because Cruz also, in that situation, is fighting back. And, like, it kind of gets to the point where... She's just so overpowered. And, you know, I can definitely see there's a little bit there of victimish shit, but, like, I still think she kind of does what she can. In this situation, when Munro's gun jams, she literally just stands there, gets punched, falls to the ground, and then allows herself to get choked. Like, she's a female, strong female cop that she should be, and she should be able, she is able, not a should be, she is able to fight back for herself here. But she just allows it to happen. It's just almost like they've just written this into the script, like, oh, a female is going to be, you know, choked and victimised here, so we're going to have a man save her. And I don't like playing this card. I never like playing this card. But I can't watch this and not see this. So, don't like this moment, and it really just takes yeah. away from this whole shootout to me. I don't know if, really, you have any thoughts on that, but, yeah, that's that's my rant. Well, until well <laughs> until you mentioned that it was Davis, that it was Davis fighting the guy... I actually thought that after Carlos got thrown through the window by him, he got up and was fighting him, and then Monroe and Davis showed up mm-hmm. or something. No, no, yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's Davis, and, oh, yeah, anyway. but And the thing, too, is, like, the fact that this scene goes on for so long and then uh, Monroe's kind of got her eyes rolling back in the back of her head and kind of she passes out, like, I'm sorry, she's dead. Like, she is dead. <laughs> so... There's another one of these third watch moments where um, they should be dead, but they're not. Um, Yeah. One of the many in this scene alone. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, basically, with Davis stabbing this guy, that's pretty much all the shooters have been shot or there's one in custody, which we're sort of saying with Cruz and Sully before. 
Um, and then kind of Cruz is uh, getting all the other security people saying the whole ER is a crime scene. We've got Yokus giving CPR to Bosco. Uh, she sort of comes in. Yokus points a gun at Cruz and then realizes that, uh, no, no, it's just me. Uh, they rush Bosco away, checking on all his wounds. And, like, again, very graphic. Like, his face is just completely covered in blood and very much deformed. Uh, Molly Price. Yeah, I was like, going to say, I wonder if they actually show the wounds. Oh, you see, like his face is very much deformed and all, you know, over the place. We've got another Yokus yelling at um, Proctor moment, <laughs> which you know it's not, not quite as bad as when she did it back in season was it four? Because um, you know this time around she's obviously you know saying like we need help, call the OR, and like Molly Price has this way about her that. Um, Remember infamous Kim Goat crying back in season two? Bobby's yes. gone. Um, <laughs> yes. Like, Molly Price has a cry, like a, a sort of a, almost an over-the-top cry. But, like, I'm not annoyed by it. because It's I think, believable. Oh, exactly. It's extremely believable. And I think kind of, like, and I'm not trying to take away from Kim Raver's <clears throat> crying Kim's back Kim's isn't. When, well, like, not, not saying Kim's isn't. Yeah, like, but... that's that's what I'm trying to say. Like, I mean, even in this scene we're about to sort of have afterwards where Kim's sort of in the bathroom, she's crying and she's like, I can't do this anymore, I can't do this anymore. Like, very believable. Like, extremely believable. But I think kind of the, the wailing of Kim back in season two of Barbie's gone, mom. Like, I just, I don't know if she was off on that day or not. You know, it was a, it was a goat crying. But yeah, Molly Price well... sells it well, I think. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, well, I mean, I'll still, even if it was maybe a bit over the top with Kim back in season two after Bobby died, I mean, I'll still, I'll still give her, I'll still give her credit there because, I mean, that's her best, that was her best friend we're talking about here. And I think it's, and I think it only just, I think I said this back in season two as well. It, it, that was when it really hit her. So of course, of course it's going to just come pouring out. Yeah. And, and like, she sells yeah, right. it. Yeah. And you don't know how you're going to react in these situations. Like, you know, for the most part, most of us have had situations where we're crying so much, you're like, you're wailing and kind of just, you know, it's it's not a pleasant experience to ever have to cry that hard where you kind of just, your body takes over and you make sounds, you make noises, like, you, you know, you're not doing it deliberately. You kind of, you know, and I, I'm not trying to be harsh to Kim Raver. Um, I just, like, I think, as I said in that scene, it kind of, you know, it's emotional. It's a great scene, but it just kind of—I just sort of go, "Oh God, she sounds a bit like a goat there." <laughs> but anyway. I can't wait till you guys, till you and Mallory, re- till you watch, till you rewatch it again, and Mallory gets to that. And yes. I'd love to know her. You know, I'd love to know her thoughts. Period. As you guys well, go through it, the, the funny thing go is, the, well, the funny thing is, because I told you she's sort of watching a few of the season five episodes. Oh, let's watch the next one. Next, let's watch the next one. She kind of missed the first few episodes of this, and I think she joined in around Obsession and you know, sort of those episodes. And then, like, sort of, we watched them, and then there was about a nine or two later where I wasn't watching any to take notes, and she kind of said to me, she's like, oh, I really want to watch Third Watch. And I'm like, (laughs) that makes me so happy that you're saying that to me, but also slightly concerned that you're wanting to watch it and you're into it in season six. Like, I know this is all you've seen, but, like, and I know you're the same situation, but I'm just, I'm hoping to God that when it comes to season one, she's not going to be like, oh, this is boring, I don't like this. Like, no, (laughs) don't say that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I'm, I'm the, and like I said, I'm, I'm the same way. Cause in addition to watching the scene of Alex dying in season four, the opening moments of this episode were what really caught my interest. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah. 
I, look, I'll be interested to see what she says too, but like, you know, it, it pleases me to hear the words from somebody who I'm, uh, you know, marrying, saying the words, um, you know, I uh, I want to watch Third Watch. Like, that. that's that's love <laughs> right there. I, I just want to back up quickly. Yeah, and, um, con- and congratulations on that, by the way. Thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, back up on a couple of quick things here. The one thing, just in the credits as well, I said it was Kim Raver's last appearance in the credits. Also, Cara Bueno's first appearance in the credits. I should mention that. Um, and just also the scene when Cruz walks in on Yokus and sort of she points the gun at and sort of Cruz has that shocked look on her face. I, I just love that moment where Cruz kind of just looks and says, like, he's strong. Like, you know, he'll get through this. Like you know, through everything that these three have been through together. Like, you know, go back a season ago when in the premiere of season five, like they just all shot each other basically. Um, and it's one thing that I actually do like about this season is where we get with the Cruz and Yoka stuff, particularly where we're going to come to a huge crescendo at the beginning of this, epi- at the end of this episode and the beginning of next episode. But like, there's a, there's a moment, um, I believe, uh, if I'm not mistaken, it's in Broken which I just I just love this moment between Cruz and Yokus. Just love it. Love it, love it, love it. So there are still moments this season which I can really appreciate on the grand arc of Third Watch. Um Right. I mean they'll they'll never they'll never be friends, of course, and no. they both know that, but by middle of the season I think they at least come to respect each other. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh through all of this we as I said, we go back in the bathroom, Kim sort of <laughs> You know, just breaking down. She's just like, you know, I can't do this anymore. I just, I can't do this. Uh, Holly's comforting. And great stuff from Holly and Yvonne Jung in this episode too. Uh, mm-hmm. Again, once I, I, when we get to the end of this season and we talk about the main stars, I'm putting Yvonne Jung as a main star this season because she, again, robbed yeah. that she's not a main ever credited as a main star in this season. Um, the little girl Jasmine, who they're looking after in the bathroom, decides to run out um, looking for mummy. Um, Holly runs out after her. Uh, then we also uh, see um, that uh, her dad's been shot. Um, Grace, meanwhile, gets up because um, she's with the mum of this Jasmine girl who she doesn't listen to Grace. They run out. They have a bit of a reunion. And can I just point out that through all of this, Holly and Kim and Grace are all like, you know, we don't know if it's safe. Don't go out there. Don't go out there. And yet, if at any point does our cop try and stop this Jasmine or the mother, considering we've just had a massive brutal shootout, and I'm 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 supposing they've cleared the floor. That's why they're so casual and blasé about it. Um, but yeah, I just find it interesting that they don't go out of their way to um, yeah. stop her. Um, Doctor Fields and Grace save this guy. I think I've already mentioned that. Um, we cut back to the room with Davis Munro and the guy that Davis stabbed. They're all you know, laying on the ground. Munro, of course, has survived being choked within an inch of a life. And, uh, you know, this is a bit where she's sort of, you know, Davis, are you okay? And uh, he's all like, yeah. And then, you know, this is, a, I'm going to be really sore in the morning. Um, yeah. Which is funny. One one bit that I really like here again, it's the, it's the Carlos stuff that I like here as well. Is the oh, my God. Just the look. <laughs> and Andrew Eva does so well this bit. You just got this Carlos walking like dazed and confused around the floor, just looking left to right. He's kind of got this, like, look on his face that he wants to kick someone's ass at the same time. Um, he's just got this look, and then Grace is kind of like, you're bleeding. And he's just kind of like, I know. Um, and we've got Jelly here complaining that his suit's covered in blood, and I just love Yokus here, you know, get over yourself. My partner's up in the OR, and then kind of, you know, what does Jelly say? Like, I didn't mean no disrespect. <laughs> Oh, yeah, you kind of did there, yeah. Jelly. This is you Jelly. I just did. love Jelly. 
Um, <laughs> Cruz, you talked about Tia Tejada's acting before. I think what really is great here with Tia Tejada, the way she's selling this too, is this look on, she's just got this look of concern, panic, everything on her face here and just commitment. She's just, the way she's walking around the, the floor here, questioning people and looking like, she just sells this so well. Like, you can just tell this is a cop who's like, so pissed off with everything that's happened. She's trying to make sure that everyone's okay. And at the same time, she's also going out of a way to, you know, going to hunt down Donald Mann because she comes in, checks on Davis, checks on um, Munro, and then this is where she bags the knife, which is going to come into play very shortly because she puts it in a uh, pocket, I guess, and he's going to go off and um, try and find Yoshi, try and find Donald Mann. Um the, the thing that I will say about season six with Cruz is that I feel that at no point of this season, like the, 100% this season, you're meant to like Cruz. And I feel that if you started watching Third Watch in season six and had no prior context to her character, you would have no reason to dislike this character. Because you think about what yeah. they're going to do with her character here, particularly at the end of this episode. You know, she's going to, you know, have a few little trials and tribulations to get through in the first eight or so episodes of this season through no fault of her own, except for her past, I guess. And then ultimately we're going to have kind of the ending of this season, which is going to be pretty heartbreaking for Cruz. And like, you know, we talked about that last season where there was a few moments where obviously they're trying to redeem Cruz, like with the whole rape storyline and kind of other things like that. But then we had that weirdness with Cruz, didn't we? Right at the end where kind of it was almost like Cruz versus the cops and she was doing things her own self. So they, they kind of went back on a few things with Cruz last season before ultimately now they're really trying to, uh, you know, redeem her. And I will say Mallory does not like Cruz yeah. at all. So, like, Mallory is your casual third watch viewer. She doesn't like Cruz. Um, so, um, <laughs> she's on that page. But, like, again, this is my defense of Cruz. Like, the way we're at this point, I think kind of they've just done such a great arc with her character from where they started to now that we're at this point where really Cruz cannot be hated this season. So... Yeah, and this is this is again my argument. Yeah. I'm saying to people who are still hating on Cruz, just like <clears throat> she's got such a great development of her overall arc in such a short period of time too. She's not even in half of the the episodes of Third Watch, and she kind of goes from this you know hard nut cop who we're not meant to have any sort of sympathy with to really by the end of it, really feeling sympathy for if you know what I mean. Yep, and. I don't even know what I was going to say. I just lost my train of thought. God, I hate it when that happens. Again, as I always say at those <laughs> points, just like our listeners, they go, oh, why am I listening to this show? Um, <laughs> so Cruz has bagged the gun up. We kind of get a bit of a weird POV shot, which is meant to be from Bosco's perspective uh, on the uh, on the operating table. Um, then we're back down in the um, the waiting room where, um, uh, uh, why do I always go blank on her name? Dr. Hickman. God damn it, I'm going to get it right one time. She comes in and tells Yokus that, uh, yeah, things uh, are not going to, you know, that they're not going to be, that he's in surgery, basically. And then we're also got to remember that Bosco's mum's here, too. Um, but then Bosco's mum's come through oh surgery. And, uh, yeah, she's okay. Yeah, I, I am so glad. I, I, I'll say it right now. I am so glad that Bosco didn't die oh, in yeah. this moment. Because, mm-hmm. I mean,. Think of what think of think of how Rose would have reacted to find out that when she you know when she woke up and could talk and all that to find out that she lost both of her she lost both of her children in in the in the space of a few days. Mm-hmm. Well, even on the flip side too, like um, 
you know, I'm glad Rose survived <laughs> because yeah, me know, too, me for, too. For, for for Bosco, like you know, uh, would have been a very tragic way. So, you know, he lost his mum and his brother. Um, but um, I mean, look, a slight little, I don't say plot hole or just something here, but we mentioned it last season, the fact that we don't see his dad after the, the Mikey's funeral, but where is his dad in all this? Like, so on this day, he took his aunt back to the hotel cause she couldn't deal with it. But like, surely this has got to have gone out, you know, cause again, we're going to have that on the, the radio soon, aren't they? They're going to basically imply that the cops are dead. Um, so like, why doesn't Bosco's dad all of a sudden want to check in on Rose and his son and even his auntie who's flown in from wherever they're flown in for, for Mikey's funeral. So all the people who are at Bosco's brother's funeral, they only like Mikey. They didn't give a shit about Rose or Bosco. <laughs> I mean, I, get, yeah, well, I guess you could argue off screen they I might have s- come and seen them. Like, cause we never see a scene. Like, we're not there every single day in the hospital like we were with Yokus a season ago. So I guess you could argue they probably did see them. We just don't see it on screen, I guess. Uh, I was going to say that with with Bosco's dad, I mean, I could see him, I could see him not really caring because I mean, the few times we've seen him, I mean, the guy just comes off as a douchebag, you know, doesn't really. Yeah, I mean, look at the grand scheme of things, it's it's not one of these ones where it's like, oh, this is terrible. They should have had it because again, we like as you said, he's a douchebag. We don't really care. There's nothing really redeeming about his dad, which all of a sudden we're like, you know, hey, but like. I mean, we could have had something mentioned, but again, who cares, really? I'm just bringing up things for the sake of bringing things, yeah. I guess. Um, we had sort of uh, Sully talking with Jelly and Davis uh, and Swirsky about everything, uh, you know, mentioning that this is a direct attack on the police. Um, and sort of we hear the words Donald Mann and, you know, who's Donald Mann? And um, this is where Sully suggests that they should put over the wire that the cops are dead because in that way he will step his, stop his goons off him and then they can go chase him, which I guess is actually kind of a clever idea, but at the same time as we're going to get a bit of a um, conflict, I guess, is at next episode when, you know, Yoko's yeah. family haven't been told. So there are some, uh, you know, negatives to this situation. Uh, then we see Cruz openly. Maybe I'll, I'll slightly go back on the fact that uh, you know Cruz is nothing but positive this season. She's kind of openly torturing a uh, a, a patient in this next scene, Ben, um, and obviously screaming. You know where is uh, where is Donald Man and where is Yoshi? And sort of uh, Hickman comes in and tells her to stop. Cruz doesn't listen. Then Swirsky I'm keeping comes pressure in. on his wounds. I love the, I love when Swirsky. I love that line. Yeah, I love Swirsky has to basically come in to, uh, you know, tell her. Again, Cruz has just got this demonic look on her face. And then even Hickman has this look on her face like she's completely shocked and everything along those lines. Um, Jelly has a random moment uh, with Kim and Holly, which is kind of funny. Um, And then this is where Carlos comes in. Uh, They're looking at the guy who uh, has been stabbed in the back. I love Carlos here. See what I did to that guy? I tackled him. Yeah, look at you now. <laughs> is this where Grace says, like, is that after he threw you through, oh, yeah. through the window? Before or after he yeah, threw I you love, through the window? Yeah, I love that. I love that line from Grace because, I mean, realizing now that it wasn't Carlos who actually took the guy down. Yeah. And, you know, just his, uh, how he's trying to act all big and bad. And, and I, I, I love I love it. I mean, because Cara, oh gosh, how do you say her last name? Car- Carla Bueno? Yeah, Just call Ca- him me. Cara- <laughs> no, that's your job. Um, but but Kara, I mean, she 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 really sells that line as Grace. You know, like like 
Was that before or after he threw you through the window? Yeah. Mic drop! <laughs> I, and I have <laughs> Ego to say, deflated. Yeah, and I have to say, like, we kind of ragged on a bit on Grace at the, at the end of last season because she was kind of a bit annoying and kind of just bitchy. But, like, and again, this just goes back to my grand overall opinion of Grace. Like, I don't dislike Grace. I just don't love Grace. She's just very meh. She's very middle. And, like, she has some great moments. And she, uh, Cara Bueno does great with everything that she works with. Like, Cara Bueno is a great actress. And I think she kind of has this sort of paramedic with a bit of a chip on her shoulder character down. Like, she's got a swagger about the way she walks. She's kind of got this look on her face, the way she looks at people. And just, she she sells this character so well. It's just, again, we're going to talk about this when we get to our series recap at the end of this season. On the grand scheme of characters of Third Watch, if you're going to rank your top ten, like, Grace Foss is not in your top ten. Like, she's there, she does what she does. She has one interesting episode... Uh, with Helen Mirren, um, she fucks yeah. Minnie in the bathroom. Um, like, cool. Oh, she does kind of. She does calm down a little. She does calm down after this episode. You know that that chip on her shoulder is reduced somewhat. Yeah. And although I think that's, I think I may have mentioned this before. I think that's only because. I think that's only because this is Kim's last episode. I completely agree. Because I, because I, you know, I, I swear I heard somewhere. I say that a lot, don't I? I swear I heard somewhere that um, that they wrote Grace to be more of a likable character after this episode because Kim left. And I would a hundred percent agree with that because I think she does get toned down and kind of like even the way they style her look is almost very Kim. Like, the way she kind of has a ponytail, uh, she's sort of got a dark hair similar to Kim Ravers, and, like, even the way they style her look it is very similar to Kim. So, yeah, and I think kind of they do that to a point where they do have to have that sort of calm character in the paramedics. Because, you know, Holly's quirky, Carlos is Carlos. Um, so you need that level-headedness of you know, that type of paramedic with, and with Kim leaving, um, yeah. And that, Doc leaving last season. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, also one thing to note, I think in this scene is kind of like Holly's concerned for Carlos, the way she kind of like grabs his face and checks him out and sort of, you know, obviously that's going to be a big arc of this season is Holly and Carlos. So, um, yeah, there is that. Um, mm-hmm. Dr. Um, Fields and Grace have a moment where they kind of, you know, make up, I guess. Uh, the surgeon upstairs complimented on your trigonometry or whatever that one she did last season. Tracheotomy. Thank you very much. Um, I just I just want to point this out. I said it before. I, I think there's a weird sexual chemistry between these two. <laughs> like, I just... <laughs> I, I, I would happily ship this couple. Uh, Grace and Dr. Phil. Oh, so. man. Oh, yeah. man, the doctor and paramedic. Oh, my God, the role-play scenarios they could do. <laughs> but even just as Grace <laughs> Yes, walking, I went there. Even as Grace walks off here from having the conversation, she kind of has this, like, little side glance where she kind of looks her eyes up and kind of has a little smirk on her face. And I don't think I've ever talked too much about how attractive Cara Bueno is, but in that moment, I'm like, damn, she's hot. Um, so, and Dr. Fields is hot too. Like, I'm kind of putting it out there. It's 2019. <laughs> um, you know, like, I'm making yeah, sure. Yeah, we that, can say that. Yep. Um, Jokas is cleaning herself up in the bathroom. Swirsky has no, um, <laughs> no privacy concerns for walking into a female bathroom and just stands there. Uh, but I mean, it's a nice scene the way kind of like Swirsky says like, he'll make it faith. He's Bosco. And then just that line when Jokas says like, you know, he's not Superman. Like it's, I think 
she's speaking as the audience because again, the way Swirsky says he's Bosco, like as an audience, we're like, yeah, he's Bosco, he's gonna make it. But then just kind of the the line that you know she says, like he's not Superman, like huh, he's Superman to me, like come on. <laughs> and, and also, and also, a few seconds earlier in the scene when when Swirsky says something like he'll be okay, and then. And then, and then Faith said, "You didn't see him." Yeah, yeah. And I mean, we we did, we did. Yeah. Well, unless you're me, then you didn't. But um, <laughs> I'm glad you said it. I was about uh, but... to say, "Well, you didn't." <laughs> <laughs> and Ben, as you very well know by now, you would have been perfectly free to say that. <laughs> um, but, but hey, I can. I can I can imagine what he looked like based on based on based on Faith's reaction to seeing him like that and her saying you didn't see him in the way you described it earlier. Honestly, I pictured it I pictured him looking like half of his face was just blown oh, off. Oh yeah, pretty much. Like it's it's um, pretty graphic when you see it, yeah. Yeah, um that whole shoot that whole shootout scene was was very I would say that, that was could that be considered one of the most graphic things on third watch that sh- oh. that whole that whole that whole shootout scene and everything that happened yeah i think like going back to what i said about the fight with davis and that like it's very violent very graphic yeah i think and you I, I agree i think yes it probably would be and kind of you've mentioned before and we've we've talked about it sort of that third watch kind of would push the boundary sometimes when it comes to its uh graphic nature whether it's with sex or with violence and things like that because i think they really towed that line of what they could get away with on network television and it might have even been a case that we're on a friday night now you know like maybe there's a bit of a leeway actually i don't know but yeah i think kind of you look at it you maybe compare it to a a few of the other big shootouts that we've had over the years um you know i think uh, where earlier seasons in shootouts would rely more on the tension um, rather than the the violence, I think kind of they go for the violence nature of this rather than the tension. I'm not saying it's not tense. There are definitely some tense moments oh, yeah. of the it shootout. It absolutely is. But I think they over rely on the violence aspect, and this kind of goes back to what I was saying, like last season <clears throat> towards the end, and what we'll get a lot of this season, where it's almost like every week they kind of go out of their way, like, hey, let's have something really graphic. Hey, let's have something blowing up. Hey, let's have a big accident, like because they're on their last legs. They've got to try and find something to put in the promo for each week. Like, hey, fuck, look, a car's exploding. Yeah. People are going to tune in. So, whereas early third watch, we didn't have to rely on this. It was about the characters, and that's what made us watch. Yeah, and and this was something that Third Watch was was evidently it it did get a lot of it did get a lot of criticism for you know it was praised for you know its its realism and all that especially concerning nine eleven it got a lot of praise for that but it was also it it also did get a lot of criticism for I mean this I mean this is stated on Wikipedia so we know that's not the greatest source in the world <laughs> but there's definitely evidence to support this um it says that third watch was also criticized in some circles for extremely detailed violence mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that is true yeah and again uh, that's <laughs> I think that just said it, it towed the line of of um what was appropriate on network television at the time um, right. and, I, and I honestly feel like I think kind of a lot of shows around this period are also looking at doing that because 
you know, 2004, we're sort of in this period where The Sopranos obviously is the number one TV show pushing, you know, obviously it's on cable, you know, 24 has kind of just uh, been around for a couple of years. And we're, we're, we're kind of entering sort of 2004 was around about that time where really you were entering that quote golden age of television where all of a sudden, um, you know, we were really shifting to the main shows being on cable and, you look at 2004's big show breakouts and that was Lost and Desperate Housewives and you look at like what Lost did, um, you know, in terms of the pilot and everything along those lines for, for television. And I think a lot of people sometimes probably forget that Lost is actually a network show and not a cable show. Um, and I mean... I mean- uh, so, and that's kind of, uh, you know, setting the, the bar high for what things would do. And yeah, I guess you would argue that um, at this point, Lost, I don't even think it... Air, like obviously when they filmed this episode it hadn't aired yet when did the first episode of Lost air September 22nd 2004 this episode aired September 17th 2004 so this episode aired five days before the premiere of Lost um, but I mean you know you've also it's not just Lost but other shows were again as I said 24 The Sopranos so TV was changing they had to find ways of really kind of you know getting the viewers in still and um, keeping them particularly with network TV um, so yeah, I think yeah. The, the violence aspect and the overtime, we'll, we'll see a lot of it this season. And again, it goes on that tone shift because this week we've got a shootout and graphic violence and in about three weeks' time we're just watching an episode of Criminal Minds. So, um, yeah, it's it's a shaft, a shaft, a fast shift. <laughs> a shaft? Hmm, what am I thinking of? Anyway, you know what I'm talking about. Um, so, oh, we have crews on the phone trying to find Yoshi... Yoshi just happens to show up all of a sudden and acts all dumb and Cruz basically calls him out as bullshitting and uh, essentially uh, he caves and then says he knows where that Donald Man is. I have a huge problem with the Yoshi stuff because Yoshi is in this episode, that's it, and we never get a resolution to Yoshi. Um, He's a dirty cop. I didn't really like that either. Like, that to me is a big glaring observation to look over. Like, just have him die in the shootout that we're going to have with Donald Mann at the end of the episode. Just have him arrested. Like, because even, what, in a week or two's time when we've got Captain Miller coming in, you know, we just have a random bit where they're like, hey, we're here stalking Yoshi's family. And then that's it. That's done. See ya. Yoshi's storyline. Whatever happened to that? Who knows? Who cares? Um, so, yeah. So, Yoshi... I mean, does he, does he go on to be a dirty cop in another precinct? Or, or does he or does he kill himself? Maybe. We'll never know. He hangs out with Dirty Kid in Dirty Precinct, basically. That's what he does. I don't know. That was a bad joke. That is rather disturbing. (laughs) Not in that way. God damn it. Um, (laughs) uh, But anyway, so yeah, he's going to lead Cruz to where uh, Man is. We had a great scene here with Yokus and Patty D, Bosco's mum, where... Yokus basically says, like, he was shot, he's in surgery, and great facial acting here from Patty D, who's uh, got sort of a, a breathing apparatus in her face, and she's obviously upset hearing this news about it, and Molly Price holds this very well as well. Um, Cruz is still questioning uh, Yoshi, and this is, I should say, where he says, I know where Donald Man is, and Yokus just happens to be listening to this. She's looking around the corner, so she's going to follow um Cruz and Yoshi to where Donald Mann lives. Um, and uh, look, uh, before we get into the next scene, because I think we're going to talk about this next scene for a little bit, because it's gonna, obviously going to come to our final talking about Kim. I, I, yes. Problem with this episode, again, 
continuing on sort of the cartoonish nature of the last episode, it's, it's kind of, it just seems so very convenient that Yoshi breaks down within two seconds and is like, I know where he lives! I know where he lives! And yet, like, why does he come in here and showing concern for the, you know, I didn't want you, I tried to get you away from, you know, the thing, I tried to warn you. Like, if he's that concerned and he knows where he lives, can't he just go to Cruz and say, like, hey, by the way, he's going to come and kill everyone today. I know where he lives, though. Let's go there now. Because is it ever implied that his family's been held kidnapped like the other people? I don't think it is. No. No, it isn't. Which is odd. Like, why is he doing this? <laughs> I don't know. Y- Yoshi always struck me as he's the he would be the weak the weak link of the anti- of the anti crime team. Mm-hmm. You know, he's good. He's he's good when they're when that he was he was all right. You know, when they were all together last year and and ganging up on Bosco for talking about what happened with Cruz and everything. Um, when it was him, Dade, Northcutt, and all of them. Yeah, together, yeah, he's he's all right. But seeing him here, you see how, I don't know how else to say it, you see how weak he really is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, how, how weak of a character he is. Maybe going back to my point when I was saying that, like, 24 was a thing at this point. Maybe the writers of Third Watch had watched so much of 24 at this point where every season there was always a mole in CTU. So, like, hey, let's have a dirty cop. Oh, fuck, won't that be new? I mean, like, look, again, I'm not against the idea of a dirty cop. I mean, kind of... I mean, it's not a dirty cop storyline, but we sort of get a large portion of this season about a rat in the house, which is kind of similar. Um, but like done well, it's, it can be done well, but like, this is just lazy. Like all of a sudden it was like, boom, he's dirty. Boom. He's giving up the information. Boom. He's escaped and boom. We'll never hear from him again. So it's just kind of <laughs> yeah, really odd. So yeah. Anyway. Um, but yeah, so this scene here, we've got Kim's final scene. We're at the firehouse. Uh, Kim sort of mentions that she's put the house out of service um and, and can, actually, no, it's, can it's they not... can they do that? That, that um, was something I thought about. Can they do? Can they actually do that? I'm guessing they could. Um, Put I would, a firehouse I just, I would, out of service. Well, I, I guess kind of if you've got something like that happening, that understand. Like, I mean, I'm sure there is you know procedures because like if all of a sudden you know think about the day that Doc got Doc shot steeper. Like, are they expecting them after Doc gets arrested? Okay, guys, you've just gone through that trauma. Just get back to work. <laughs> like, I'm sure they've got to take care of their own. So. Um, I will say quickly that uh, this actually isn't Kim's final scene. It's sort of, there's a scene in between them. But what I might do is I might actually just go from this scene, connect it to her final scene, and then go over the crew stuff at the end just so we can kind of get this all together here. So they come back to the buy house. Jimmy uh, is actually on the phone. Um, And uh, Kim um, was sort of, you know, sort of like, how did you find out that there was a shooting? And I think this is where we find out that Grace has kind of informed them and kind of, you know, Grace has a bit of a roll of her eyes. She tells Jimmy that she's pregnant. Um, and then we kind of get that line when Kim says, you know, you know that ring you gave me, you know, I want it back, you know, I love you so much. It's a nice little moment. And Carlos has a, you know, listening in, has a bit of a smile on his face. So does Holly. Uh, and just, you know, even just Kim Raver's acting here and just kind of her ability to hold the yeah. scene is fantastic. Um, again, I'm just going to sort of skip over that, but we'll come back to the crew stuff. But um, Holly uh, has a bit of a talk with um, Kim here. Um, and then 
Um, we have what I'm saying. Carlos sort of walks down, has a conversation with Kim, uh, sort of saying that you know, congratulations, you know, I'm happy for you. Um, and yeah, Kim sort of says that we're going to get married. And then Kim sort of says, like, oh, Carlos, before you go, I've got something to tell you. I just love this reaction from Carlos. And also this way <laughs> Anthony Rebavar says it. It's kind of like, you know, oh, you know, come on, you know, you're about to tell me that I'm not invited to the wedding. That's not fair, Kim. I've been here longer than anyone else. Maybe Doc, maybe Doc, but that's not fair. Um, and then sort of Kim sort of interrupts him and he's kind of like, no, I've got something to tell you. And just Carlos is just like, what? And then Kim's just like, I'm not coming back tomorrow. Uh, you know, I can't do this anymore. Saying that she, you know, wants to be a wife, she wants to be a mother. You know, she's given up so much for this job, and she can't do this. Yeah. And then I love the way she's kind of top says cut- five moment. Oh yeah, absolutely. I've, I've circled that top five moment. I just love the way she's obviously, you know, trying to talk to Carlos. Like, you know, don't try and talk me out of this. Uh, and then Carlos is just kind of like Kim. You know, I understand. And I was like, ah, oh, this moment just makes me so happy. It's just such a great moment between these two because even then, just the way sort of. Carlos, you know, leans in, kisses Kim on the cheek, and then just the way he turns her and says, any chance you can name the baby after me? And just Kim's reaction, absolutely not. <laughs> and then the way she says, yeah. um, you know, I'm going to miss you. Oh, it's just such a great scene because like, you think about Carlos and Kim, like, yeah, they've had their moments. <laughs> um, they've never really been super close. But oh, it's just it's just such a great and the most perfect way for a character to go out. And like you think about the characters that have gone out without being killed, uh, we've had three now with Jimmy, Doc, and Kim, and all perfect ways of going out. Like Jimmy, like what a great way we went out. That made the top five last season. Doc's final moments made the top five last season. Kim's uh, moment here will surely make the top five this season as well. And yes. like. I just don't think there's any better way that you can send off a character like this. It's such a great ending. Yeah, it is. And, well, I, I was going to say something about, you know, of course, how, you know, they, 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 never, they never got along, but in this moment they really came to... Came, came to respect each other, kind of yeah. like with kind of like with faith and cruise mm-hmm. with what happens with them later this season you know they'll never be friends although I mean, you could say that that carlos and kim kind of become friends um uh, yeah but- i think i think the difference is is that like yeah, I'd, I'd say they're friends um whereas yeah it's slightly different but i know what you're trying to say but yeah 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 um and and i like um, I, I like it when, like, after that exchange, and they and Carlos is like, "What a day, huh?" And then, and then he then he turns to go, and at, and uh, and after he leaves, Kim's just like, "Yeah, what a day." Yeah, yeah, it's great. and it's just and and you know they don't show it, but you know you know that woman just come and you you know Kim, you know Kim just completely just breaks down right there. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and I think it's. Such a poignant little scene, and I, I, you know, we will see Kim again briefly in the series finale, which is great. But um, I mean, look, we'll just talk about her character here and kind of I, again, I don't like saying eulogize because she's not dead, but uh, I think people know what I mean. And I think the, the mm-hmm. one important thing that I, on a personal note, and I remember I said this 
to uh, Kim Raver when uh, you know interviewed her for the show is that she did leave Third Watch to take up a role on Twenty Four. So she went from my first favorite TV show of all time to my second favorite TV show of all time. So um, <laughs> she react when you said that. I think she had a bit of a chuckle, but like I think the thing too is that I'm a big fan of the Audrey character on Twenty Four. I know a lot of people didn't like Audrey's character on Twenty Four, but um, I did. Um, so. Uh, you know, ultimately she did go to my least favourite TV show of all time, Grey's Anatomy, but we don't talk about that. Um, but I think in general, Kim was, you know, I always appreciated Kim as a character. I think kind of a lot of the times when I would watch Third Watch sometimes, you know, she maybe annoyed me sometimes, but I think kind of on this rewatch, I've not really found anything, even outside of goat crying and random victimising her last season, like... She's always worked well with what she's had. She obviously struggles with a lot of things in terms of, you know, season two when she's kind of sleeping around and, you know, doing this and doing that. And, like, you know, Kim's Hope Chest was, I think, an episode which I really appreciated, um, which w- was it you or Brandy? You were on that episode. No, it was Brandy was on that episode. Brandy no, I, I, was, I, was on, was I was on that episode. Oh, it was you. I was Sorry. on that episode. Um, and that was your very first rent uh, of Third Watch. You yep. weren't as big a fan as I was of that episode. But, I mean, I think kind of this is the development of her character, you know, kind of single mother, recently divorced at the beginning of this show, you know, working with a best friend, you know, Bobby, and kind of having this, you know, back and forth relationship with them. You know, we obviously had the whole will they, won't they sort of moments of season one. They did, and then kind of, you know, she went back on things. And, you know, there were definitely some moments where sort of you were not meant to exactly be fully agreeing with what Kim was doing, but she always did with what, you know, she could, and... Obviously, season two was some great stuff uh, after Bobby died and kind of, you know, the fact that they tackled a major character having a suicide attempt. Like, you know, that's a very strong and powerful thing to sort of cover and Kim Raver did that very, very well. Um, and then, you know, custody battles with Jimmy during season three. Uh, season four, there really wasn't basically anything for Kim to do except she finally hooked up with uh, Tom Berenger at the end. And then, obviously, the stuff with Jimmy last season and kind of becoming a bit of a leader herself in Season 5, and then here we are in Season 6. So, lots of stuff to work with. Appreciate Kim. Do I appreciate her a little bit more than past rewatches? Yeah, I'd say so. Round about the same. Nothing hugely groundbreaking with uh, my feelings on this character as she leaves now compared to what I used to think, but always will be a fan of Kim. Love Kim. Love Kim Raver. She's one of my favourite actresses, and nothing but positive things to say about her as she leaves this show. Yeah, and I mean, I've had time to think about the the Kim's Hope Chest episode. Um, it, you know, since we since we reviewed it uh, way back when, and thinking about it now, I'm not so sure if I would. I'm not so sure if I would rent that episode if we were if we were to do it again. I think I think I would I think I would buy it because you know thinking about thinking about it, it's. I mean, yeah, Kim. I I could not stand Kim at first. You know, watching watching the show, I I could not stand her. I felt that. I mean, her and Jimmy both. Let's be honest, and I think you and Brandy said this as well. They back then, you know, they were two kids with a kid. Let's mm-hmm. be real here. <laughs> they were, and nothing. Few things. What was I going to say? I'm all. I'm all few things annoy me more than, and I don't know why, so don't ask, but the, the whole kids having kids thing, 
I don't know why that gets under my skin so much. It just does. Um, even, uh, but let's not get into that. Cause like I said, I can't really explain it there, but you know, to see, but that, that episode, yes, it does give us great insight into her, it, it into her, into her character, you know, and how she, you come to understand a little bit why she is the way she is. And that's, that's what I like about all the characters. In some way, you you do eventually come to understand why they are the way they are. But it's not until it's not until after Bobby it's not until after Bobby dies that she and Jimmy both you know start growing up, mm-hmm. so to speak. Yeah. But but yeah, I, I will I will definitely agree. Definitely a very well developed character over her time over her time on the show. And is it me or I think I may have said this already, <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with this because Kim Raver absolutely sells this every time. But is it me, or is Kim Raver very good at playing very emotional characters? She's very good at playing very emotional characters, yes. <laughs> she is. <laughs> and I think a lot of people didn't I like s- that about I Audrey. Swear she, I, swear, I swear she could, I swear she could, she could cry on cue. I think, and I think that's what like hold on. Maybe, maybe there's something in me that maybe I like these type of character, these type of actresses, I guess, because Natalie Portman, of course, you know, is my number one. Um, and often people rip into Natalie Portman because all she does is cry in movies. Is that uh, montage on YouTube of Natalie Portman crying for about ten minutes or something like that? But yeah, I think Kim Raver does, and I think the interesting thing, like I know a lot of people give Audrey flack because you know, here I am talking about victimizing women and making them nothing but a damsel in distress and a victim. And I think a lot of that is what people criticize Audrey for, even though I think Audrey holds her own in a lot of stuff in uh, 24. But I think this might be a tough call and a controversial call, but I would argue that Kim Zambrano is more of a tougher character than Audrey Reigns is um, based on kind of how they handle situations. Uh, I'm not saying Audrey Reigns isn't a tough character, but... You know, I think they're a different type of tough, if you know what I mean. Like, right? Audrey's more of a, a white collar sort of tough character, whereas Kim Zambrano is more of a blue collar tough character. And yeah, you kind of there's differences in toughness, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I so, get you. Yeah, uh, hashtag you, rip Audrey Reigns. By the way, I still can't believe I oh. killed her off. Oh. Um, I I will, uh, and I can't wait and. I hope we can recap 24 eventually just so I can rip into them for that because I have never forgiven them for that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I've never forgiven them for the reboot random thing they did with Blackjack like, what, two years ago or whatever it was? That was terrible. Yes. <laughs> um, and it's nothing to do with the and fact I, that the guy was black. I'm just saying it was I terrible, know. the reboot. <laughs> it was, and I, I didn't – I mean, I watched it, yeah, but – I didn't particularly care for it because I felt that they were trying to make that character too too much like Jack. And no one and I was else like, is Jack hey. Bauer. Jack Bauer is Jack Bauer, all right? You leave that guy alone. Yeah. Damn it. And, I mean, I was yeah. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> and I was and I was talking I was talking to another friend of mine who was who was a really big fan of 24. I have quite a few friends who like that show. Um wish I had friends. Yeah, in the first I mean, even with the first episode of the of the legacy of the legacy series, I was I was messaging this person. I was saying, I I do not like this. They are trying way too hard to make this character like Jack. Mm-hmm. 
it oh, does yeah. not work. When we eventually do 24, uh, trust me, like, you think we're bad on season six on third watch. <laughs> like, at least we can generally find pots and positives out of this and a, a weird appreciation for what it is. And as always, as we always say, bad episodes of third watch are still going to be better than good episodes of some shows, even season six. Um, but like, I just, I watched it once. I have no desire to ever watch it again unless we're doing a rewatch for, uh, for the Oz Network. But uh, anyway, that's yeah. twenty four. That tell you, tell you the truth. I really didn't. Even though I, even though I stuck with it, even though I stuck with it throughout, pretty much. I didn't really care for twenty four. You know, with even with season eight and live another day. Uh, look, seven and eight. Are kind of like season six of Third Watch. They're their own beasts, and I mean, it's really as all twenty four fans know, it's the fifth episode of season six onwards, which is kind of it's a different show. Well, not necessarily a different show. It's just that's when it it jumped the shark. Um, and I think that the problem I have with seven and eight is I never remember it as best as I do when I watch it. I'm like, oh yeah, I remember this. Oh yeah, I remember what's happening. Oh yeah, okay, okay. Because you know, it's just it's just the Washington season and the New York season to me. Um, I never liked the woman that Jack hooks up with. What's her name? The agent. I never liked her. You don't like Renee? No, couldn't stand Renee. She just annoyed me. Like, nah. Out of all his love interests, Renee was the one I just didn't give a shit about. The only thing I liked about Renee is the fact that she dies and Jack kind of turns evil for an episode. That's about it. Um, so, <laughs> Jack finally yeah. loses it. Um, but... That, that's about it. Uh, no, I'm not not a Renee fan. I mean, mind you, though, I never used to be a Chloe fan. I could not stand Chloe. But, you know, obviously I've got a brain and I've come around and I love Chloe. But um, anyway, 24, we'll do, we're doing it one day. But anyway, we're here. Um, yeah, we will. So just jumping back a little bit, the scene in between the, the scenes that we've just covered, uh, we have Cruz in the car with Yoshi talking to him about, you know, man and sort of going off at him. Um, we've got a shot of Donald Mann as well, telling weird cartoonish side boss to pack up, going to the roof, there's a helicopter. Um, the cops are dead, yay, hooray, um, Yokus driving after, um, Cruz. Then we have the big crescendo of this episode, so we're on the roof, Donald Mann with his cartoon side villain, you know, I won't be needing a Do you need anything brought up to the heliport? (laughs) I I can get that. Um, it was no, it's no trouble, sir. <laughs> Just the, the cartoonish nature of this is so dumb that he throws him off the roof and just happens to land on Cruz's car. I mean, come on. Like, what are the odds of this actually happening? Um, and so Cruz rushes upstairs, handcuffs Yoshi to the, the railing. We will never see him again. And I'm just going to point out... Donald Mann is trying to get on a helicopter. We're going to get a, a rooftop shot of this building in about five seconds. There is no way a helicopter is landing on that roof. Like, I want to know where the helicopter is landing for him to get taken away. The only part of Gene Simmons in Third Watch that I actually appreciate, particularly with his acting, is this moment. I think he does really well with the whole hands up and, you know, I'm looking for Donald Mann. Never heard of him. Uh, you know, I'm Cruz, <laughs> and it's kind of like, you're Cruz. Um, and just, I actually appreciate Gene Simmons in this moment, and kind of Cruz um, telling him to make a move, and, he, you know, Gene Simmons is like, I don't I'm a think smart so. Man. I'm a smart man. I surrender. I surrender. Uh, 
throws cuffs <laughs> at him, tells uh, tells him to put cuffs on, um, and then sort of Donald Mann is basically going off at him, saying, uh, going off a cruise, sorry, you know, enjoy the last minutes of your life, you know, I will find you, you know, this won't be over. And then we get this epic moment. Bang, bang. How the hell we wind up like this? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, just, I just like we see Yokus is in the door Cruz has got this epically shocked look on her face Yokus has just showed up and mowed down uh, Donald Man floating in a pool with blood um, Cruz just got this amazing look on her face and then we get this amazing shot of a sort of a helicopter shot above the roof where we see Donald Man floating in the pool um, Yoko sort of walks up to the pool as if to say, yeah, I got him. And then just this shot of both Yokus and Cruz standing above his body on the pool as we've got an overhead shot of this swimming pool. And then we get a, pe- a sweeping shot of the city, the end of this episode. Now, look, I'm saying this now, Darvell. Every inch of my body says I should hate this moment because every inch of my body says this is so cheesy the way that we get bang, bang, how the hell we wind up like this? I've got fucking Nickelback. <laughs> Um, you know, ending a scene. It here. works though. The, it, it works so goddamn well. So much that I've literally written on my notes. Possible top five. Like I should hate this scene, <laughs> but I don't. And like this is the second time we've used Nickelback in a montage. Both work. Um, and like maybe it's just because it's the only two good Nickelback songs. But like it's just it's so emotionally effective, and I'm telling you now, the reason why I'm not going to bin this episode is because of this scene, and in the, and the Kim scene as well. Like, just you remember, you remember this scene, like you have in the back of your head. Hey, remember that episode when uh, how you remind me played in Third Watch after Yokus's epic badass moment of shooting Gene Simmons. Um, and just, again, the look on Yokus's face as if, like, you know, th- this is where she should drop her gun like mic drop and just be like, gun drop. <laughs> just, yeah. Just, oh, it's, it's you know, so I'm good. Surprised, I, I'm surprised this didn't happen, although it would have. It would have really made it extremely cheesy if she if she if this if this had happened, if she had before shooting him. Um. If if he had actually been given a chance to, if he had actually been given, if he had actually you know seen seen her and she had said something like, oh god, even even thinking of it makes it sound makes it even thinking of it makes it sound cheesy. But I'm thinking before she before she popped him six times, part of me thinks it kind of would she should have said something like, this is from this is from Bosco. Or oh, something that would be like that. Cheesy. No, nah, I would hate that. It, yeah, I, like I like I said, I know it would have been, but but sometimes, but sometimes part of me thinks, oh my god, she should have said that. But no, yeah, they, I know it would have totally that. taken away from it. Ah, uh, uh, just I, I, but, I, I mean, really no doubt, no like doubt, she thing. was thinking it. <laughs> Probably. Yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I can't believe I love this scene, but I do anyway. Um. That's more monsters. It ends on a pretty high note. Uh, one thing I will point out, though, before we get into the ratings and just keep this in the back of your mind ahead of next week, just remember the fact that right now when she shot him, it is broad daylight, okay? Absolute broad daylight. It's not twilight. It's not sunset. It's broad daylight. Within the opening moments of the next episode, which happens literally after what we've just seen, it's going to be pitch black. 
So just pointing out the continuity errors here in Third Watch doesn't make sense. But anyway. Um, it's like, how long do they stay up on that roof? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> so that's more monsters. I just gave what I'm doing away with it. I'm renting this. It's saved by a bin from two scenes that potentially might make the top five. Because um, I think also I mentioned, and I think a lot of, and particularly next week, more so next week, but like there's almost an element of boredom to some of these episodes, like just because of the way they do it. I don't know, but we'll talk about that next week, I think. But anyway, I'm renting it. Darvel, what are you doing with this episode? It's going to be a low one, but I'm giving it. I'm giving it a low buy, actually. Wow. Because, okay. um, I mean, coming coming from it from from my from my point of view is this being the episode that really made me want to watch the whole show okay way back when um and i mean i love the i know you hate it but i love the i love the first half of the of the episode you know with this raging this raging gun battle all throughout the all throughout the hospital yeah it's it's over the top but I mean, I like it because it is it is dramatic. It is tense for what it is. I think it is sold. I think it is sold very well. Mm-hmm. Um, and it shows how ruthless Donald Mann's henchmen are. You yeah. know, they were they weren't just shooting at the cops. I mean, they were they were going after they were going after everybody. I mean, I wonder how many people they actually how many people were shall we say caught in the middle of it that we never that we never see well, but yeah I'd between like to... between go ahead sorry i interrupted you uh, i was going to say but between that between that which i mean i do like i do like it for what it is um the moment you know kim's goodbye moment this stuff yeah i think i i do i do like this episode i do like this episode it's low but i am giving it a low buy that's that's fair enough. You're absolutely entitled to do that. I uh, the question I have sort of when you're saying that is like, I'd like to know where the media is in all of this. Like you've literally just got a freaking hospital blown to shreds by AK forty sevens and Uzis, and yet the media is asleep that day. Like, come on, this is a huge story. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. This is yeah. Where, where's the where's the demolition derby woman? <laughs> yeah, where are the jerk face reporters that are terrible human <laughs> beings that they always have? Um, yeah, where, yeah. Where's the where's the where's the woman where's the woman from the demolition derby episode? We are live now at Mercy Hospital, that which has now been shot up by raging gunmen. Cops may be involved. Lieutenant Swirsky, can you comment on anything? Who knows? Who knows? Uh, <laughs> next week, we are into Alone Again, naturally. Um, yeah, I'm going to say I'm not a fan of this episode. I, I think this episode's kind of boring. It's just kind of, you know. Yeah, I couldn't get into it either. I'm saying that right now. I... I got bored watching I got bored watching that one and I got a little bit bored with the with the obsession episode too episode uh, 4. Yeah, look there's a few interesting things around some of these episodes but again it's just a tonal shift we've got a random storyline with uh, what is this the one where Davis is chasing after these girls and like uh, yeah yes. the car stop yes yes, yes. See, I can't even remember episode, it for god's sake it's kind of Yep um you know we got a bit of obviously the the fallout from Cruz and Yokus um, and we meet, uh, we meet, um, Captain Finney. We meet, uh, Aiden Quinn for the first time. Uh, Aiden so, Quinn? Who is, uh, Captain Miller. So that's who we meet. Oh, yes, yes, yep. yes. Uh, wait, wait, I thought that wasn't, oh, sorry. No, no, go ahead. I, I keep thinking that's not until episode four that we meet Miller. No, no, we meet him next week. Um, okay. and... 
Then also, oh, and is this uh, the big reveal around Munro next week as well, is it? Yes. Oh, yeah, spoiler alert, Which, by the way. <laughs> come on, they they could have, they, they, why did they have to reveal that so early? I mean, oh, come look, on. There's, there's a lot of problems around the Munro bit next week, but we'll get to that. I think next week's going to be a fairly, uh, yeah, negative week, but hey, welcome back to the Oz Network. Uh, in the meantime, <laughs> you can like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, subscribe on all the relevant channels, and as always, we appreciate um, you listening. So thank you very much. My name is Ben, and I'm a smart guy. <laughs> My name is Darvell, and you must know people like you never beat people like me. Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.